The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 30, the White Sox did something episode. You have reached your best place for cigars and Chicago sports. It's time, as always, to set the scene. We are at 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois, at The Place. The Place is a cigar lounge. It's an amazing place. We encourage you to stop by and join us anytime, 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois. Great atmosphere, great selection of premium cigars, you know, great place to watch a game, hang out, talk to some guys, so come by The Place. You can also follow us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports. You can get this show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. You know that. You're listening to a podcast. And as always, I would like to introduce my co-host, Phil Sullivan. How are you? What are you smoking? What's going on tonight? Oh, you know, everything's going good. Got the holiday season cranking up here. Uh, got a nice winter storm on its way. Uh, like we got nothing better to do this week. Uh, but... You know, always good. Weather's always the same inside the cigar lounge. Uh, so, enjoying a Placencia. Nice Placencia cigar here. Thought I'd try something a little different. I am smoking a Fuente short story. Always like the short. And, you know, we're coming off an amazing sports weekend. The Vikings coming back from three, 33 points down to beat the Colts. The World Cup final. You know, the, the Bears lost their seventh in a row. But you know what? Before we talk about sports, I want to talk about an amazing event and something that I learned last night, which I found very shocking. It kept me awake until late at night. So last night, we had our place owner's holiday dinner. We went to, uh, we went to Gibson's last night in Oak Brook, and uh, you know, we had a seafood tower. We had a bunch of steaks. It was really, you know, it was a great night, but you know... I, I told Phil, I said, hey, Phil, you know what? You look really nice tonight. You know, you're dressed really nice. I don't usually see him dressed up. And Phil tells me something that was possibly one of the five most amazing things I've ever heard in my life. He says to me, you know, you should thank my wife if you think I look nice. And I'm like, why is that? And it's like, oh, because she picked out my clothes. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then he said, what has just consumed me for the last 24 hours? She always picks out my clothes. So unless he's just going to work or like in a pair of jeans and whatever the case may be, every outfit, when he has to be seen in public in front of adults in any way, shape, or form, his wife, she buys the clothes, she puts the clothes in there, she takes the clothes out, lays them on the bed, tells them this is what you're wearing today, and that's it. And he just puts them on and goes out of the house. Phil, true or false? 100% true. You know, the old saying, happy wife, happy life, pick your battles. Um, so I gave into this one a long time ago. I mean, you didn't even go so far. Oh, no, I'm going to. I'm going to. About how like, when I travel. Um, so, 
you know, <laughs> well, then I'll let you go. So there. not all only right. does his wife pick out all his clothes, which I just found to be amazing. That was only a part of it. When Phil travels, when he goes out of town by himself or with his wife, here's the way this works. Let's say he goes on a golf trip. His wife takes the clothes out. She packs for him. She packs the clothes in outfits, and she layers them inside of the suitcase. So she'll put, like, shorts, golf shirt, fold, shorts, golf shirt, fold, puts everything else in there. Then she closes up the bag and puts the thing at at the door, and he just grabs it and goes out there. And he has no idea what is in that bag until he checks into the hotel, and he unzips that thing. And he sees what clothes that he has. That's, is it, Phil, is that true or not? <laughs> it's a, it's a hundred percent true. <laughs> Actually, she even will ask, you know, <laughs> are there any dinners you're going to, or, or, uh, you know, so it's it's all it's all done appropriate. You know, what are you doing in the evenings? She'll check the weather. She'll know what what I need. And by the way, if you're wondering about Phil's distraction, that's because producer Bear, who you cannot hear, um, has his camera right now. He's in shock. He's falling off his chair right now laughing. And we're not really making fun of Phil. I mean, I guess that's a pretty good thing, like, if you can get it. But can you – I just – now I, I just want to open up his suitcase and I want to see in there you got the you got the shorts and then you got this and then you know you got to go out to dinner at one point and you got that stuff. I mean it's like it, it's it's really impressive. So Phil, that's really interesting. Well, let's talk about sports, all right? Yeah, we got off track there. That's for sure, and I'm glad yeah. everybody. I hope got a nice laugh out of that one. <laughs> Or, or there could be a lot of dudes out there that are pretty jealous of me. There there could be. I, of course, shared that with my wife. She said that I should not expect that to happen at any time in the near, medium, or long future. So, as I mentioned before, Bears lost their seventh in a row. They lost 25-20 to 20 to the Eagles. Basically, everyone who has any kind of name was out, you know, including Mooney and Claypool. Tevin Jenkins went out, uh, you know, on, in the first quarter. We don't know what's the matter with him. Uh, you know, Khalil Herbert's been out. I guess he's coming back next week. You know, uh, so really, there was a, it was sort of a no-name team. I guess, you know, Montgomery had a, uh, had, <laughs> had a decent game. It was not a good situation as usual, although they were in the game, they had an opportunity to to win the game, and the highlight, as always, was Justin Fields. Fields, 14 for 21, 152 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a 119.5 passer rating against what is probably the best front seven in the NFL. He also had 15 carries for 95 yards, and that includes the calling back of that unbelievable 50-yard-plus touchdown run where he did all those spin moves. That thing was absolutely incredible. So as far as I'm concerned, um, just an amazing, you know, another really good game by Fields, and particularly if you consider what the guy has on around him. A couple of little interesting facts. Justin Fields is the only opposing passer against the Philadelphia Eagles defense this year to have greater than a 110 passer rating. He also is the only quarterback to throw touchdown passes to two different players in the same game this year against the Eagles. So he had a really good game, and if you consider the fact that that shoulder's got to be bothering him, it was an excellent performance. But I guess 
Here's what I wanted to talk about. I mean, the game is what it is. You know, they're playing the Bills this week. I don't think we have to worry much about that. But, Phil, what's your take on Fields at this point? Are you drinking the Kool-Aid? You know, what do you, you, know, what do you think? Are, you know, does, do you view him as the franchise quarterback? You know, obviously I've already done the mea culpa from where I was in the beginning of the year. But that's about seven weeks in a row that the guy's been, you know, really, really good, you know, regardless of the win-loss record. What's your take on Fields and, you know, for the future? Well, you know, my take on Fields, you know, doesn't particularly matter. It's what the Bears' take is. And I think the Bears' take is that he's certainly their franchise quarterback. I personally would like to see him run a little less. He's horribly exciting. There's no doubt about it. You know, the NFL has proven that running quarterbacks uh, certainly have a shortened uh, lifespan in the league, on average. But, you know, he's an incredibly talented guy. He's an incredibly good person, dedicated football player. I think the team loves him. The players love him. There's, you know, nothing but upside for this guy. I just get worried with the amount of running that he does. Wonderful that he broke a thousand yards rushing as a quarterback. Makes for a lot of makes for a lot of good headlines. But still, I like I mentioned the other day. You know, yeah. You know, do you want a guy that can rush a quarterback that can rush a thousand yards or a quarterback that can pass four thousand yards? Now people say Fields is going to get there, but he's not there. Do you blame the offensive line? Do you blame the coaches? You know, certainly the lack of talent on his team restricts a lot of uh, how he can blossom at this point. But, you know, to answer your question bluntly, I have not drank the Kool-Aid that he is a all-world uh, possible Hall of Fame quarterback, but I certainly think he's got all the potential to get there. I just hope that they manage him well and uh, that his running ways uh, don't get him hurt. Well, it's hard to argue about the running stuff because if you look at the facts, you know, Jalen Hurts got injured in that game. You know, he's now apparently out at least this week and possibly longer shoulder injury during a run play. You know, he got sort of jumped on and got his shoulder smashed into the turf. You saw the difference that Lamar Jackson makes based on the performance of the Ravens this week. He's out injured. So I do agree with you that keeping him healthy is important. And maybe he could simply spot his runs. You know, obviously the ideal situation is a guy like Mahomes, who I do consider to be a pocket passer first, but certainly has the ability to run, but really doesn't put himself at risk. And he's very good at sliding and sort of getting out of bounds when he needs to. And I think, frankly, that Fields has been pretty good at that as well. I do think that he's going to be a much better passer than he is now. You know, I think he's come a long way over the course of this year in terms of being a better passer. He has not had huge passing yardage numbers, and that's frankly a function of attempts. I mean, he only throws 18 to 21 or 22 passes a game. You know, he hasn't had one of those, you know, 35 for 47 days. I mean, I'm totally bought into the guy, and as far as I'm concerned, certainly they need some guys around them. They need some offensive line help. Hopefully, Tevin Jenkins, who's been their best offensive lineman, is not long-term damaged, but he's had a few dings you know, in his short Bears career. They certainly need some wide receiver help. Um, you know, They're going to have to figure out what they're doing at running back, whether they're going to you know, sign Montgomery back. So I get that, but i got to be honest with you. This guy is basically figuring out a way 
to score 25. He only scored 20 points this week against a great defense, but this guy's figuring out a way, even with the junk that he has on the field with him, to score 30 points a game. So put some guys around him. But I'm curious as to your thoughts related to the draft. I mean, free agency is what it is, and you can certainly, you know, the Bears are going to be in a position to get, you know, some of the top guys at multiple positions. But the Bears right now in the draft are picking second. What would you like to see them do with that pick? Because I know exactly what I'd like to do. Well, you know, as I've looked at it, you're probably going to see two quarterbacks available, certainly in the top three picks, you know, to C.J. Stroud you know, from Ohio State, and certainly Bryce Young out of Alabama. You got this other guy in Alabama that's supposed to be a total freak show who I didn't see a lot of, but this Will Anderson, defensive edge rusher, who's supposed to be all-world. So assuming those guys could be the top three picks and Bears are going to have to maybe make a choice on one of them, let's assume they don't take a quarterback. Do you trade down to a team that needs a quarterback? Um, There are some offensive linemen that are available um, that I think are going to go in the top 10 to top 15. You know, this uh, this Paris Johnson out of Ohio State's an offensive tackle that is kind of a freak show, uh, as well as this uh, Peter Skoransky out of Northwestern is supposed to be another highly athletic, very, very fast uh, guy that's very good at uh, offensive tackle, so they can move him to guard. I think he would shift over just fine there. So there's quite a few choices. Uh, there's this guy out of Penn State that I've watched a little bit this year. I can't even pronounce his name, Olumbia or Olumbia or whatever his name is. So I think their need is on the offensive line. If you're going to keep fields, which they will, if he's your guy, which I think he is, you got to give this guy some protection. So I think the Bears need to concentrate on that. And I think they could use their top draft pick, which certainly could be used for one of those top quarterbacks, and hopefully bargain down and get a few picks so you can grab somebody's uh, offensive linemen that are highly rated. Yeah, it's interesting. I have a very different opinion on that than you do. It appears that the quarterbacks will go first, you would think. So, you you know, certainly Bryce Young, I think right now, is probably number one overall pick to Houston. And then Stroud will be the second pick. But it's really interesting because your inclination is you'd like the Bears to trade down and get some more draft capital. If you take a look at the current draft order, you've got Houston number one. They're taking C.J. Stroud. Then the Bears are two. Then third, you've got Seattle. I don't know if they're going to take a quarterback or not. They might. And then you've got Detroit after that. I don't know if they're going to take a quarterback. They might. Then you got Arizona, no quarterback. You know, Indianapolis, they're definitely going to pick a quarterback. And then Atlanta. So the places that you would trade down to would be Indianapolis at, you know, likely at six or, or Atlanta at seven. Maybe you can get an additional first round pick and maybe more than that. I don't want to do that. There are two guys, and one of them you mentioned, Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama, and then the guy who you did not mention is the defensive tackle from Georgia, Jalen Carter. And, you know, I think that either one of these guys could be, 
generational talents. I mean, this Jalen Carter guy looks like the closest thing to, to Aaron Donald. Will Anderson looks like Khalil Mack in his prime. And I realize you can maybe say that in every draft, but I don't think you can say that in every draft about these two guys. And if trading, and I'll take either one, I probably would prioritize the defensive linemen based on just the incredibly horrible state of this front seven. I think I'd probably take a tackle first. But if trading down is somehow going to cost me both of those guys, I wouldn't trade down. If maybe three or four you know, wants a quarterback and they want to come up, I'm okay with that. But I'm not going any further than that because those guys are going to both be gone in the top five. And I've got to have one of those guys. I just have to have one of those guys. Yeah, you know, and I hear you on those guys. They're they're all freakish athletes. But I keep going back. If if you improve your defense on paper, if you look at the Bears this year, they've been able to put points up. They've lost a lot of games where they've scored over twenty points, and games they've scored over thirty points. So, as horrible as you might think their offensive line is, they're still putting points on the board. The problem I still have. So you get a defense that's better. Now those points they put on the board wins a few of those games, but you're still putting all the pressure on Fields to perform and all the opportunity for Fields to get hurt if you don't improve that offensive line at all. And uh, that's what scares me. So now you got a defense that can hold teams under 20, but you know then you're looking for a quarterback because you might need one. Um, and, and you also skipped out on a couple really good quarterbacks in this draft. But I don't expect them to take one by no means. But I, I just think... You know, you got to start. If this guy is the possibility of the next thing since Jim McMahon, which was really the last really quarterback that took him anywhere, but he certainly isn't one-tenth the athlete that Fields is. But, you know, you've got to put some protection around this guy. and You're not going to protect him on defense. The Bears got $130 million under the cap. They could go out and sign the best – you know, they go out and sign the best two tackles in the, you know, in free agency if they wanted to. I would rather address the offensive line in free agency because I want one of these two guys. That's certainly another avenue. There's no doubt about it. But you'd ask me about the draft. So, so let's go general NFL here for a minute. Who are your top three teams in the uh, in the AFC and your top three teams in the NFC? How do you rank them? I mean, I think you could argue we all know who the best three teams are, particularly in the AFC. But how do you rank them right now? God, I still like the Bills, but how do you, you know? It's hard to put them ahead of Mahomes. You know, I guess you until you beat them, you haven't beaten them. I hope we get another rematch. What we saw last year, which was probably one of the greatest NFL playoff games in the history of the game. Um, you know, so I hope to see a rematch of that. But between those two teams, I'd like to see. My guess is they're going to see each other again well interestingly enough in the afc i go Bengals number one no question like Bengals number one like they are freaking good and they're still in the mix to to be the number one seed and get the buy as well i am you know the bills obviously did beat the chiefs you know at kansas city earlier this week or excuse me earlier this season so i probably right now and the chiefs have played pretty lousy the last couple of games they've won both games so maybe that doesn't matter you know but they had you know they had to get it go to overtime to beat the titans yesterday or excuse me to beat the texans yesterday but i'm going bengals one bills two chiefs three and i know that it's hard to you know to pick against the chiefs until they actually lose but i, I am by far 
you know, Bengals number one. And and that is just a different team when Jamar Chase is on the field. You know, earlier in the year when Chase was hurt, and obviously uh, Burrow missed most of training camp with that appendicitis issue, so they got off to a slow start. But they are playing great right now. Um, and I think that everyone needs to fear fear that team. They look good. So what do you think about the uh, NFC? You know, the NFC... I love how the Eagles are playing. I mean, the Eagles are just, I think the Eagles are playing well. I think the Cowboys, question mark, I think the owner will uh, do something drastic if uh, they don't get to an NFC final. But, uh, you know, the 49ers, um, surprisingly, I mean, surprisingly, if you'd have told, asked me in the first four or five weeks of the season where the 49ers were going to end up, um, you know, I wouldn't think they would have been there. But I, uh, I still think the Vikings are pretenders. Not so much contenders. I mean, they're in the playoffs, but uh, they they don't have a they don't have the staying power. But you know, my opinion, I like the Eagles a lot. I like Washington. I think Washington's coming on. I mean, the Cinderella story is obviously the talk of the league is Detroit. I don't think they got enough gas in the gas tank to get through a playoff scenario. It would be a great Cinderella story if they make it. I mean, they started one and six, and since they've gone six and one. Um, they're a scary team. I, if they make the playoffs, I wouldn't want to be a team that meets them right away. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they got the staying power to get through the playoffs. So, you know, there you go. I like the Eagles. I like the 49ers. So I go Niners 1. And obviously it's difficult to say that when they're on their third-string quarterback. So, And the guy... Um, Brock Purdy, the guy has looked really, really good, although I'm not going to go over the top with the guy, you know, with three regular season games. Let's see if he can perform in the, you know, in the playoffs, but the guy looks extremely good and he looks good enough where even if Garoppolo is healthy going into the playoffs, I think I'd probably still play Brock Purdy at this point. So, you know, I guess we'll, you know, what see what happens with that. Then I go Eagles two. You know, when I go Cowboys 3, I don't trust them. You know, Mike McCarthy, I think, is a moron, and I don't trust the quarterback. Uh, You know, they lost. I I don't know. Like, I just don't trust them. And, you know, Minnesota, I don't really trust either, although that was an amazing performance to come back and win that game this this week, even though, you know, they were playing the Colts, so maybe you don't want to overreact that. But right now... My best team, as far as my power ranking, as far as how they're playing right now, I go Bengals, you know, I go Bengals AFC and Niners NFC, and I guess we'll see how it works out. So, Phil, you want to talk about the White Sox? Yeah, uh, let's talk about the White Sox. Let's first give our Cubs update. The Cubs signed Dansby Swanson. Okay, that's our Cubs update. That's the end of that. So the White Sox, interestingly enough, shocked us. By signing Andrew Benintendi, they actually spent some money. They signed him to the largest contract in White Sox history. So, yes, I understand that by modern standards, maybe that's not saying a lot, but they signed the guy for $75 million. I'm not sure that we expected them to sign somebody for $75 million. I'm pretty happy with the signing. The guy is a very solid, you know, defender, you know, won a uh, gold glove in 2021, in left field, he's a good contact hitter. Uh, you know, he's about a 370 on base guy. You know, he's a 
three and a half win player. You, you know, I, the guy's a solid player. He's going to get on base. He's not going to strike out a lot. You know, he's fundamentally a really good ball player. You know, he does not have power, which is a problem. He is a lefty, which is good. I think it breaks up the top of the lineup because now you look at the top of the lineup, and I would assume that TA will continue, even though Benatendi could lead off, I would assume that. T.A. continues to lead off, then you go lefty with Benintendi second, and then you probably go Luis Robert third and Jimenez fourth. But, you know, I like the Benintendi signing. I'm not over the moon. The guy's not a superstar, but a really good player, really solid player, really smart player. What do you think about the Benintendi signing? You know, I think it's a great signing. I think for the money, they got a great player. Um, One of the things I thought of, and I, I discussed it with you a little bit, I like the fact that they're outfield. You could possibly be looking at this uh, potentially superstar rookie, Collis. I definitely think he's going to get a shot at starting. So you stick him in the outfield, and you got Robert in uh, center field. And if you put Ben Attendee there, I think one of the positives is Andrew Vaughn is now going to have a home base. He doesn't have to come to the ballpark every day and wonder, am I playing outfield, am I am I DH in my playing first base. Um, you know, will Andrew Vaughn ever beat a defensive fielder at first base from who he lost? Uh, absolutely not. Um, but I think him being able to concentrate when he comes to the ballpark on one position, he can certainly work on that. He doesn't have to shag fly balls. He doesn't do any of that bullshit. So he can work on his defensive abilities at first base. You know, like I said, he's never going to be an Abreu. Many first basemen in the history of the game haven't been as good as Abreu, so let's not try to compare him to Abreu, but I think he's got room to improve defensively, and, uh, you know, I I think that's going to be a nice nice sign for him. I do think, I do agree with you that probably it helps Vaughn a lot to know that he's just going to be penciled in at first base every night, and he doesn't have to go through the terror of playing the outfield, because the other thing is, too, is that he's, he's so damn bad out there that the one thing that we didn't even consider is the fact that he might have been out there, he might have been dreading it every day, having to go out there. He might have been, you know, struggling to sleep at night. I mean, the guy um, is a terrible outfielder, and I never want to see him out there again. I also agree that Colas is going to get every opportunity to be the opening day right fielder. You know, he is an excellent defender. You know, he's left-handed power. I also think, though that Colas is going to need to show in spring training that he can handle the job, meaning that he's not just going to be given that job, you know, um, no matter what he does, like he's actually going to have to, you know, perform in spring in spring training. He's going to have to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Defensively, he should be fine, but you can't just automatically put him out there. And frankly, if you, you know, that right now, it would appear that if for some reason he doesn't win the job, you're going to have Gavin Sheets out there, which I'm not particularly happy about. But I am optimistic, and I am hopeful that Colas will at least turn out to be a major league player. But he is going to have to do something um, in spring training. You know, we mentioned the... Uh, the fifteen million a year and for five years, seventy-five million for for Benintendi. Um, but it's very interesting because if you look at Twitter um, over the last day or so, it appears that the White Sox are very actively shopping fifteen million dollar a year. What a coincidence, Liam Hendricks, and it appears that they are going to trade Hendricks, and and I think they feel like. 
you know, they've got some depth in that bullpen. You could have Ronaldo Lopez close. You could potentially have Graveman close. They've got a lot of guys that they're committed to in that bullpen. It's fairly deep, particularly if Joe Kelly can come back healthy and do something this year, although he's not going to be at the back end of the bullpen. But it appears that they're moving Hendricks. So before we get too excited about them spending money on Benintendi, if they end up clearing $15 million and getting back prospects, it really shows that we shouldn't be all that impressed because they didn't spend any money because they moved the money out. But what do you think about trading Hendricks, and what would you like to get back for him? Because I do assume they're going to trade him. I don't think they got holes in pitching. I think they've got a lot of good potential at pitching. Once again, I've never seen injuries like I've seen in Major League Baseball the last two years, so injuries is always your number one concern. Uh, but they've got a very good, potentially very good pitching staff. So, you know, do you keep playing with it before you see how it plays out? Uh, you know, I wouldn't think so. But obviously there are two gaping holes are second base and catcher. Uh, Grandal has been an absolute failure, and it's, he's been a failure now for a couple straight years. You've got some pitchers that don't even want to pitch to the guy. Uh, he's horrible defensively. He can throw nobody out at second base. You know, his hitting is just abysmal. You know, I would like to hope if they get rid of Hendricks that they could get some mid-level catcher that can at least fill the spot. I think Zavala, that they have Platoon and Zavala and another catcher of his equal ability would go a long way. They still got a gap at, at second base, but once again, there's no player involved in the game more on a daily basis than a catcher. So, so if you get a guy in there that could get along with the pitchers and, and, and work them well, once again, let's go back and look at, uh, you know, McCann. You know, there's a guy that could be available. I, and uh, I agree you know, couldn't have been you. a smarter guy in the game than him. I agree with you. and But here's, sort of, here's what I view as the problem. You know, obviously, yes, Grandal has been garbage, and we can say whatever we want, that he's healthy, he's in the best shape of his life, or whatever. I don't trust the guy, I don't like him. But by the same token, we're paying him $18 million. So if they can't deal him, and unless you trade him for somebody else's trash, I don't think that they can trade him. So unless you can trade him, I also would not just throw him away, because you might still be able to catch lightning in a bottle with Grandal, and I'd at least bring him back, give him six weeks, and if he fails, DFA him at that point. So I'm not just going to throw him in the garbage. You can't carry three catchers, and frankly, I think Sebi Savala, offensively as well, I just think he's too good to just throw him away, meaning that you got it. You're not sending him down again. I mean, the guy's 28 years old. Um, you know, he's out of options. So it, you've got to be able to move one of those catchers, and uh, you know, you're not going to get. Any, and I actually think you could probably get a freaking prospect even back for Zavala. So I don't know that I necessarily connect. Hendricks and the catching position unless they're one going to get somebody who's really good and by the way for Hendricks you shouldn't be getting back like some you know use the term mid-level catcher I want better than a mid-level player Hendricks is a multiple time all-star he's easily one of the best three closers in baseball you know and I think he's a guy who can play in a big market, you know, and you got teams like Atlanta needs a closer, you know, uh, the Phillies need a closer, the Dodgers need a closer, you know, you need to get something back of quality for Hendricks, and there should be hopefully, you know, a market for him with people competing to get him, 
So I want something good back, and I don't want a catcher just because it's a catcher. Meaning, if you could get like Gavin Lux as a second baseman back from the from the Dodgers, or you can get a quality second baseman back, I would. I want to just get the best player. But I I agree with you that I would like a catcher or a second baseman. But I'm not necessarily leaning towards one. Wherever you get the best quality, and you know what? If there's any way in hell that you could somehow do something with Grandal's bad contract and get McCann back, uh, I would be fine with that too. He's another one who has a bad contract. I think he's owed $12 million or something this year, so maybe you can do something with that. But speaking of second baseman, kind of interesting. You know, We mentioned uh, in our Cubs update that uh, they signed Dansby Swanson, so they're going to move Nico Horner over to second, which interestingly enough will be one of the better double play combinations in uh, the National League, interestingly, because Horner is a good player. I mean, it's a four and a half win player last year, Um, but they have absolutely no need for Nick Madrigal. Nick Madrigal has been bad. He's been injured. Uh, You know, we were worried about when we, when we gave him up in the, uh, you know, in the, the Kimbrel trade, certainly doesn't look that way now. So if you could trade a low level prospect, would you want to get Madrigal back to play second? No, no, Uh, he's, he's done as far as I'm concerned. So I, 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 yeah, I think they'd be better off sticking with what they got and working with them than and doing anything with Madrigal. I totally agree. I wouldn't take him back if he was DFA no. and he was on the street. I would no. not want him back. You know, and back one thing we didn't mention. We were talking earlier about Colas and 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 not knowing yet at the major league level how he's going to perform. You know, one thing people, if you weren't paying attention last week, you know the White Sox just offered Billy Hamilton. An invite to spring training. You know, I don't think they would have done that if uh, they didn't plan on hopefully giving them a legit shot to make the top twenty-six. Um, but it'll be interesting. But if they did have them, uh, now there's a guy you could platoon once a week in the outfield, put sheets out there once a week. If you got to give this Colas some time to learn the game, uh, I think Hamilton would be a great mentor for a player like Colas to learn the game under. Um, I, I always like Billy Hamilton. He's not an everyday player, but boy, he is exciting. They could use him on the base path. Uh, I think he's a great team player. I think he loves the game. I think a coach would love to have him. So, uh, but that would be interesting for uh, platooning him in the outfield and giving Colas a little more time to adapt to the game. Yeah, I like Billy Hamilton. I'm not sure that I make that connection between the two of them, but I do feel like you know, if you're a good team, you need to have a guy, you know, your 26 guy, I think does need to be a guy who could be a pinch runner, you know, who can, I mean, you, you need a guy to, I mean, the truth is you just need a guy to pinch run and you need sort of a four and a half outfielder, you know, kind of, you know, if somebody goes down and you certainly can put him in there defensively, the guy's 32 years old, but still plays excellent defense. Most of the time when guys are over 30, they don't play a good center field, but this guy still, you know, can play. So I'm not excited about Billy Hamilton, but you know, I like the guy. He's hard not to like, I'm very happy to have him back. So we got lots of time to uh, talk about the White Sox as we go through, but I think, you know, this week uh, has given me a little bit of optimism because I was surprised that they spent a little bit of money. So, Phil, we've talked very little about the Bulls this year, and I know that probably I am a much bigger Bulls fan than you are, although I've gotten to the point it's even worse than the White Sox. 
I, I almost can't watch the games right now. It's so bad. They're losing every night. They lost back to back to the Knicks. They give up 150 points to you know the Timberwolves the other night um, with their best two players out. And now we're finding out. Joe Callaly from the um, Chicago Sun Times just reporting about half an hour ago. Sources indicate that there was a blow up between players at halftime of the Timberwolves' loss, causing Bulls coaches to go into the locker room while they were talking outside. Source said it was the second time it happened. The other was right after the game. So clearly, there is a chemistry problem. I don't know who it is, but if I had to guess, and I am guessing, so I really don't know, one of the guys has got to be Levine, and I would guess that the other guy is DeMar DeRozan. This thing is not going well. And frankly, unless this team just starts winning tonight, and uh, and by the way, Chicago teams never win. If you take a look at the the uh, losing streaks on bo- on all three teams that are playing right now, but I think they got to blow this thing up. You know what? You can get something for Vucevic. You can get something for uh, you know for DeRozan. You know you might have a little issue with uh, with uh, Levine because of that max contract. Although there are a couple of other max contracts out there that you might be able to do something with. But this thing is a disaster. I mean, it is a complete disaster. And I did not go into the year because of the Lonzo Ball thing, having huge optimism. But I did think that they could win you know, 41 to 45 games, and I will be shocked if they can get back to 500 at this point. Any thoughts on the Bulls? Because it's time to blow the thing up, man. I, you know, I don't have many thoughts. I They're so bad. I just, you know, here I am. I do a, host a, you know, sports podcast. Uh, you know, I guess I'm supposed to be up-to-date and knowledgeable on everything Chicago sports. I can't even talk myself into reading about them. They're so bad. Yeah, I, I don't know where to begin or where to end with them, but it's that team turned bad pretty quick. And uh, you know, and speaking of Chicago sports teams, you know, just to you know go sideways off the subject. How about the Chicago Blackhawks? You want to talk about another team that has gone you know totally downhill and is probably one of the worst teams in the league. For a franchise that just in very recent memory was on top of the world, players, team, management, ownership, everything was supposed to be stellar. How that team could get so bad so quick is uh, amazing. So these these two franchises that uh, share the same arena, boy, oh, boy, are, uh, it's a tough winter in Chicago trying to follow those two teams. Okay, while you were talking, I just came up with this. So the Bears have lost seven in a row. The Bulls have lost four in a row, soon to be five. Um, the Bulls have lost four in a row. And the Blackhawks, who are in last place in the Western Conference, have lost seven in a row. So that means that Chicago sports teams that are in season right now have lost 18 in a row. And we talked in a couple of episodes about, is this the worst you know, is this the worst time for Chicago sports ever? Well, it certainly may be because Chicago sports teams have lost 18 games in a row. That bad. That is not good. No, it's not. It's uh, it's it's hard to fathom. And when this uh, football season ends for the Bears in a few weeks, uh, you know, of course, NFL playoffs are, to me, almost nothing better. Maybe the NCAA tournament when it gets down to about eight teams gets a little better. But uh yeah, when this thing ends in uh, beginning of February, uh, it's going to be a rough, uh, you know, two months before the uh, Major League Baseball season starts. Because boy, oh boy, the Bulls and the Hawks aren't going to give you anything to 
stay interested in. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree. It's uh, it's not good. Hey, Steve, you know what I forgot to ask you? Before we close out this episode, yeah. we did talk about the greatest sport in the history of the world. Pickleball? Was this week was the, yeah, pickleball, was the World Cup. And, you know, in deference to my three sons that, at least in their own minds, played at a very high level and were highly talented, once again, in their own minds. But, you know, you know I followed soccer with them from knowing nothing to... Uh, like actually liking the sport and appreciating it, uh, but you get you know and then you get to the World Cup, and once the U.S. got knocked out, there really wasn't much U.S. interest anymore. Um, but that final World Cup match, uh, in the grand scheme of things, really couldn't have been more than what anybody could have asked for. You had probably one of the greatest players in the history of the game that never won a title. You know he comes into that match and uh, and performs the way you expect a superstar to perform. Uh, they take a two to nothing lead. France comes back and ties it. Then it's three to two. Then it's three to three. Then it goes into overtime. Then it goes to penalty kicks. Um, you know, kudos to the World Cup final because it probably was one of the more exciting sporting events, if you like it. Now, on the other hand, I tried watching the game. I saw the France goalie uh, get injured early in the game. It looked like he got shot. Uh, you know, someone must have shot him from the uh, from the stands the way he went down withered in pain for about eight minutes, nine minutes. Of course, in soccer, you don't know exactly how many minutes uh, goes by. But, uh, you know, and then he gets up and he's just fine. So that's, uh, those type of antics make it hard for me to uh, sometimes watch that sport. But uh, as far as the World Cup goes, it was pretty exciting. Any opinion? On yeah, that? I watched that game. I thought it was tremendous. I, it was by far the best soccer game I've ever watched. The problem is I've only watched three soccer games, but um, but I actually thought it was a really great game. I was very entertained. I was glued to that thing. Um, it almost caused me to miss the first two minutes of the Bears game. I was so excited about that. Um, yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's interesting, uh, breaking news in soccer. I guess um, the Miami MLS team, which I don't even know their name, is about to sign Messi. Are you aware of that? No, I did not hear well, that. Well, it's not done, but evidently it's potentially going to be done over the next day or so. Um, and it's getting all sorts of coverage this afternoon, um, which I guess would be really interesting. I don't know enough about soccer to know that. Um, but that would certainly, I guess, be the biggest coup ever as far as a you know world-class superstar coming to the MLS. Yeah, it would be. It'd be you know, it's great for the game. Like I said, I certainly over the years certainly came to appreciate the sport in a lot of its aspects, and then certainly in a few of its aspects, I, I don't quite get it. But, uh, uh, you know, that, that final game had everything that at least American fans complain about. Uh, lack of scoring, uh, no. Uh, excitement, no. Superstars performing, no. It, it gave you everything you wanted to, to see in a final match of any sport. Yeah, I agree. I'm usually not a fan, but it was, uh, it was very entertaining. Phil, episode 30 cool. is in the books. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming. Adios, see you soon. All right, we'll talk to you. Sugar Magnolia, blossoms blooming, that's all Indian, I don't care. So my baby down by the river, who should have to come up soon for dare? Sweet blossom, come on, under the willow, we can have high times if you look back. Discover the wonders of nature Growing in the brushes down by the riverside